will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Do you believe in life after addiction? You better believe it. Now, the host of Life After Addiction. All right, Life After Addiction, episode four. We're back, baby. Uh, Today, we're going to talk about some things why uh, might step on some toes, Uh, why we believe that behavior modification is absolutely not the right answer, uh, and why we believe it's a heart change. And we're going to talk about uh, growth. We're going to do these things. We're going to take a question from the uh, uh, viewer at the end as well. So not behavior modification, not heart change. Let's just say biblically. Uh, The reason that I I think one of the biggest slaps in the face to behavior modification that I could think of in the Bible is when Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. uh, And he tells them, he calls them awful things, whitewashed tombs, blind Pharisees. He says, if you first clean the inside of the cup and the dish, then the outside will also be cleaned. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about the heart. He wasn't giving instructions on how to do dishes. He's talking about the heart, inside out, not outside in. And I mean, just we could drop the mic right there and walk away and be done with this episode, but we won't. <laughs> yeah, I think that, I mean, when I think of the word modification, I, I'm thinking about, okay, my golf swing. Like, okay, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to modify my golf swing. I'm not going to change my golf swing. I'm just going to do something to modify oh. it that's actually going to improve my performance. And so in the same way, I think that's really what the true expectation of behavior modification is, is you're not really changing anything. You're just modifying something in hopes that it is going to provide a better performance in in some aspect. And so I think if we just look at it uh, from a literal standpoint, it just, it already uncovers some, some, I think just some lies that we, we want to believe are true, but they're really not. Yeah, so so what do you think it means? Um, if you're the listener, let explain to them what we mean by behavior modification. Put names on it. What's behavior modification out there when it comes to the addiction recovery world? Mm-hmm. Or even, well, we'll stay focused. The addiction recovery world, what would you say would be an example or a module of behavior modification? Sure. I mean, that would be, okay, don't do this. Do that, right? So, well, I'm going to stop doing this. And by some ability that goes beyond, (laughs) obviously, I can't do it because if I could, I wouldn't be here in this this situation that I'm in. But for some reason, there's this idea that I, I can change and modify what I'm doing in order to not do that thing anymore. And I think the the, the common language in, in the recovery world is you white knuckle it. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I really don't want to do this, but I'm being forced to do it. So I'm just going to struggle through it until somehow it feels better. And yeah. and that's just not that's not a change. It's it's a it's a continued struggle in a new way. <laughs> And so, therefore, there's no heart change in it. It's just uh, a, a resilience, a, a discipline of of the body, and that, and there's just no power in that. Yeah, and and, and here's the thing: we'll be careful. Uh, we don't want to just. Well, I know we won't be careful. This is life after addiction. Uh, the, the behavior modification, the way that I kind of was taught. Uh, was outside in, do this step, do this step, do this step, go to this meeting, go to this meeting, go to this meeting, chant this phrase, say you're this, do this stuff, and then 
You won't be an active addiction, but you are still an addict. You're just in remission, and you're always going to have this disease your whole life, and you're always just one thought, one slip-up, one mistake away from being in full-blown active addiction yeah, again. And your, your value only comes from how, much, how many days you have clean and sober. Yeah, and, and so the thing is, the, the thing about that model is, is that, you know what, those things, meetings, fellowship, um, doing things that the steps tell someone to do, those things aren't bad. They're not bad. But they also aren't the way that you get free from addiction. No. <laughs> They're not. They're, unless you're just trying to paint something. And and I hear stories after stories. And, and it, it just – even common sense will tell me that if, if – I don't know. Let's say 40 years from now, man. If, if God blesses me to live that long and I have grandkids and I'm talking to them and – they're they're saying they know me as as a pastor, you know, Lord willing, and they ask me, you know, the, because they hear me talk about my testimony sometime, and let's just say that I'd I'd follow this model and I introduce myself as an addict. Hey guys, I'm Adam and I'm an addict, and my grandkids were just asking just you know genuine innocent questions. Granddad, how long were you an addict? I don't know, ten years. And how old are you? I'm eighty now. So you're saying 70 years you weren't and 10 years you were and you're defined by the 10 years that you were doing something? It's just not going to be confusing, you know? Uh, and that's just kind of like a, a silly example. But, I mean, it, it makes sense. Like even, I don't know, I, behavior modification doesn't, that never has worked. For yeah, well, change. I think the idea that I can change my identity on my own uh, is it, just there's some falseness in that that – we're in denial about if we believe it. And and so identity has a big part to play in all this and what God does in changing a person's life and where the old is gone, the new has come. is your identity has changed. You're no longer this, you're this. And I'm not talking mind over matter stuff here. I'm talking about supernatural stuff that goes beyond our ability. And you're just simply not going to get that and, and any type of other thing. Look, our, our, you go into a library or you go into a bookstore today, say Books a Million or whatever. I mean, the largest section in that in that place is going to be the self help section. Now, anybody, yeah. if you think about it in just common sense, how am I going to help myself? The fact that I'm going to look at a book that's going to teach me how to help myself means that I can't help myself. I need somebody else to help me. Right. And, but, but, but this belief that I've, there's this self help section that. You can do this if you just knew the secret formula, you know, and then if you learn it, then, and then I get it. Like, I can see how people out there that aren't believers would say, well, isn't that what Christianity is? You know, you've got this book and you learn how to do it and it's a secret formula and that kind of thing. Yeah, except for there's a supernatural power to it. That's it. And, and that doesn't come from anything man-made or anybody's formula that they can come up with on their own. In fact, Scripture and Proverbs says, what seems good and right to man still leads to death. Yeah. That we've, in our foolish ways, instead of worshiping the creator, we worship the creation and therefore become utter fools. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, you take away the supernatural aspect of it, you take the God component out of that, and yeah, it's just another book that's telling me how to do something. But that's not what it is. No, and that's that's funny because I think even the AAers, the NAers, the twelve steppers, we're saying the same thing. We're saying that you have to have a power greater than yourself. 
The problem is, is that they also say that the chair could be that power. Yeah. They also say that, uh, the, you know, I, I could be, it's, it's a parents, God of your understanding. Yeah. And, and that's not what God, the one we're talking about says this, the heavens declare the glory of God yeah. and the sky above proclaims his I mean, handiwork. Think about it. If it was a that's God real of my power. own understanding, like, don't I mean? Isn't the it should be the definition of a god is beyond your understanding. Yeah. So how can a god be of my own understanding? I mean, I'm putting him in a box already to my own in a, a thinking, and so yeah. So the very nature of the higher power has no power, and the only god of the god of the Bible is the only one, is the one that can resurrect something. Yeah. We can't resurrect anything. Yeah, and so it just self collapses. And and man, I don't want to go. Uh, we've just man, this is this is life after addiction, and we just we're throwing haymakers. It works for a lot of people. Uh, I believe it works for a lot of people in the aspect of giving them hope, even even though it's not really hopeful because you're always going to be this. Um, but but I will say that the concept of fellowship, the concept of a community, the concept of these things. Uh, I would love, I would love to implement things like that and just have a network of community. And um, but let's talk about the heart. We talked about definition of behavior modification. What about heart change? So there's modification in behavior, but then when you say heart, we're saying change, hmm. right? And your example of your golf swing. You want to have a better golf swing. You don't need to modify that broken one. You need to change it, right? And that's what the <laughs> save heart. Save it for the course. <laughs> save it for the course. <laughs> you get one lucky one in the driving range. <laughs> save it for the course. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, the heart change. And, and biblically, what we're talking about is a heart of stone mm. literally being made a heart of flesh. That is a change element there, right? Mm. Yeah, well, and to be biblical about it, I'm just getting ready to go do a sermon on this this weekend. Uh, the the Bible talks about how, and I believe it's in Isaiah or maybe it's a Psalm. I, I'm really bad about addresses, and I'm just going to tell you. But I know what the Bible says. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that we once had a heart of the flesh, meaning it was a deceitful heart. Uh, and it's surprising today when you ask Christians, how many of you guys raise your hand if you think you have a deceitful heart? And many of them will raise their hand. Because they clearly don't understand that there has been a change, a supernatural change of before you were a believer to now you're a believer. You've been given the Spirit of God. Your heart is now no longer of the flesh. It is of the Spirit. And we're to be led by that. Mm. And so my approach now in, in addiction recovery is that I need to be good enough. I need to keep still trying to be good because I'm bad. Mm. But it now switches to a new perspective. This is why Paul says in the Bible, it's a renewing of the mind. Yeah. That my, I'm good now. I'm good and I am defending that goodness from the things that want to rob me from the promises of that, which is joy, peace, rest. And, and so that's why when we look at the armor of God, like the, the majority of those components, except for one, are all defensive. Mm. We're defending our good heart. I'm no longer trying to be good enough. It's See, good. it's it's a heart change that actually the Bible explains to us that it is is a spiritual, supernatural thing that happens, and you go from a bad heart to a good heart. Yeah, and, and the heart change. It's a, the only way I could describe it. Like for for my own story, it's almost like my entire DNA changed, man. 
The Bible says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. And it's not the desires that I had when I had a wicked heart. It's not Ferrari, boom, and I get a Ferrari, right? But it's talking about you have new desires. You want to please God. You want to bring him glory. And that can only be done supernaturally because all I wanted to do was bring Adam glory. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to bring me glory. Whatever pleased me, we already already talked about this. I deserve to feel happy. I deserve to feel good. It's it, that's that's the crazy that's the insanity because the reason that it's so crazy and as Albert Einstein would say and a lot of addiction recovery places talk about this doing the same thing over and over again expecting different results right when I tried to please me and bring me glory and make me God it always ended badly no matter which substance no matter which whatever it was that I tried to do to bring me glory and the reason that it always ended bad is because. I'm not made to be brought glory. I'm made to bring God glory. Exactly. And man, when your heart changes and you want to do that, it's almost like everything changes. Like hmm. everything changes. Now, do you still have bad days? Yes. We're not. A heart change doesn't mean that you instantly are perfect. In fact, it's about growth. Yeah, exactly. And one of the things that I will just say from somebody who's been in thousands, I mean, I mean, literally thousands of 12-step meetings. Uh, When you're sitting in those meetings, and man, I'm not going to say that all meetings are like this because all meetings are different. And you might be in a good meeting, uh, but most of those meetings, it's it's guys sitting around a circle talking about their problems or how they're still struggling with this thing and how they need help from the group. And very rarely are people in there like being thankful or have a great attitude of how things are going well for them or how they've grown or how things look different. And I think I will say there's some words of encouragement that come in that. But I just remember when I was in those meetings and I would say, I'd say, hold on a minute. How long did you say you've been sober? Mm. Like 25 years, son. I'm like, hmm. And you're still like that angry. Mm. And you just talk on a rant for 10 minutes about how this person is making your life miserable and how you just, you needed to come to this meeting because. And you haven't had a drop of alcohol in 25 years and you're still an alcoholic. And you're still. What? (laughs) Explain that to me. And so the difference is that when you have this heart change, it's not necessarily that you automatically start having desires. There's a Mm. growth that happens in that. But what does change is you start to see, like I said before, you start to see a different perspective in that I'm not trying to be good. I'm defending what God calls my new identity now, and I'm trying to keep the other things that want to rob me of my goodness. And so I have a different stance. Mm. I'm leaning forward. I'm not on my back, on my heels anymore. And and that type of attitude, that's where God says, look, first you clean the inside of the cup. You are given a different posture, a new position in life, and you see things differently. I love this verse in in 2 Corinthians 3.16. It says, for those who turn to the Lord, the veil is lifted. What that means is that I can't see it. I can't see the change. I can't see the newness of the direction in my life that I'm going until I turn to the Lord. And when I do, then it's a slow Lift, right? I start to see, I start to make out the things that are in this kingdom of God that I never could see before, but was always around me. And it's, it's this kind of supernatural happens when you walk towards the Lord and he starts changing you from the inside out. Um, it's just a beautiful thing. Yeah, and, and this isn't like scripted conversation. Bruce and I wanted to be very authentic. <laughs> 
Uh, we do have questions that we're going to ask at the end from the from the listeners, uh, and we have topics that we're going to discuss. But we haven't sat here and gone through. And so, what's so interesting? He, he mentioned Second Corinthians three sixteen. When one turns, the veil is removed. The very next verse says, "And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom." Freedom, <laughs> and man, we are all about freedom, and it's it's so it's so incredible that Scripture talks about that. The veil's removed; you could see God, see the glory, see what He He is, and what He says you are, and what you are to do. And then it says, "Where His Spirit is, there's freedom." Mm-hmm. So addiction's not a surprise to God. All throughout the Bible, it talks about. Um, drunkenness and these type things, but just bondage, man. Mm. Bondage to sin. It ta- uses very strong, very strong language. Uh, slavery, Paul talks mm. about. Um, no longer a slave, yoked to sin, like you're chained to it, you know? And so this isn't a surprise to God. And, and when the heart changes, you no longer desire. I, I think a good definition is sobriety and freedom. And I don't want to be sober. I don't want my the guys God puts in front of me to be sober because my definition of sobriety is not doing something that you really want to do. And you're just white-knuckling it because you know you can't do it because of the consequences. Yeah. Freedom is I no longer want to do that. I don't want to do that anymore, man. That's not who I am. That's just I see that it ends badly. It doesn't bring God glory, and it just hurts my family. It hurts me. I don't want to do that anymore. Yeah. One of my favorite passages in the New Testament is Paul. And if if you know who Paul is in uh, the New Testament, he was this guy that persecuted Christians. And he was also one of the elite in terms of religious leaders at the time. So he was trained to know all the scripture. And so he just was this this guy who hated Christians and killed them and put them in prison. And then God changed his heart. And then he started living a different life uh, that was in contrast to that, complete contrast to that. And I love this passage where he talks about how what a wretched man he is, uh, only because he he does the things he doesn't want to do and doesn't do the things he does want to do. And he, he talks about this as it's almost like this... This this thing that we just can't escape from, and then he then he ends it with, but thank God for Jesus Christ, That's right. <laughs> because through Jesus, turning to Jesus, He does what we're not able to, and that we can sit here and beat ourselves up all the time about, how man, I really want to do this, but I'm not doing it, or I I don't want to do those things, but I do them anyway, and and even these patriarchs of our of our faith will tell us, you know, that this is the way they felt, you know. Yeah. The Bible is not cryptic. I love the way God just plainly speaks to us that he knows what we're going through. And but there's always a solution. There's always the problem presented and there's always a solution. Yeah. And we're going to get into this in the next episode about the growth thing, uh but just just to maybe preempt it for yeah, a minute. Give, give me one minute explanation of your because we got to get into the the question okay. here. Give me one minute explanation of what your 10,000 foot view of a growth module and how that's different than a behavior modification module. You don't have to say how it's different, but we already explained the behavior modification module. Tell me what a growth module would be. Yeah, well, I can tell you what a biblical growth module is, and that is it doesn't come with shame. Mm. You know, uh, the the behavior modification comes, it's all based on performance. And if I'm not doing it right, then I carry this level of 
of shame that there's something wrong with me, there's something broken. Like I, I'm not, be, I'm not able to do it. And I see all these other people maybe who are succeeding, and I think something's wrong with me. And and if I fail, I have to go back to the start. I have to start all over again. There's this whole level of shame from even the fellowship that happens, and that's not biblical growth. Like biblical growth says, and and I'm just going to quote scripture from me here because in 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 Second Peter chapter one. Uh, after he goes through these these phases of how we are to grow and, uh, and add to our faith, these things, he says. But if you if you do this in increasing measure, okay, so that means I'm growing, right? Mm. If you do these things in increasing measure, you will you will be productive and effective in the kingdom of God. And then he goes to say, but if you are not doing these things, you've simply forgotten who you are and wow. and what God has already done for your life. He's not shaming us, saying, oh, you got to go back to the start because you failed. Like, God already knows we're going to fail. We're not going to be perfect, right? But because we're covered in the blood of Christ and what God has done for us, we're seen perfect. So when we fail, we just pick ourselves back up and we keep going on. And and that is the difference in a biblical growth. It doesn't. It's not attached to shame or performance or any of these types of things. God just saying, well, you've just simply forgotten already. Like, you've you've... You, and, and the Bible will say, well, wake up, O sleeper, right? Like yeah. you've just been asleep. You've forgotten. And, and God's not shaming us. He's saying the power has always been there. You just haven't turned to it. Wow. And there is no ridicule and picking yourself back up. Nothing has been lost that's been gained. You just keep going back in the direction you should be going. Wow. The growth module, man. That This episode just flew by, man. <laughs> we get passionate. Now it's time. We're already running a little behind. It's time for our question from the listeners. This comes from Matt from Milwaukee. He's way up there. Milwaukee. Hey. I don't know what accent that was. <laughs> <laughs> Matt from Milwaukee. Uh, if you had to pick the most important pillar, what would it be? Now, Matt is clearly an alumni of S2L because he's talking about pillars. We have a... Uh, practical application of from the curriculum, we call it the four pillars of things that we say, uh, man, a, a godly man, a godly woman, whether you're battling addiction or not, should have these things in their life on a daily basis. One is read God's word. One is read God's word. I'll edit that. <laughs> one is prayer. One is fellowship, good fellowship. And then one is Action, your call to action. And so we break all those out and we give good good scripture to, to kind of how do you do that. And so your question, if I had to pick the most important pillar, what would it be? You're putting me in a you're putting me in a pickle there, but I'll answer your question. We we're not gonna steer away. Uh I'm gonna say God's word. Uh, Absolutely. because God's word is gonna roll out these other pillars anyway. Uh, and man, it is just so oh, it's bread. It's compared to food, daily food, it's sustenance, it's alive, it's protection. Well, it's finish this statement for me. The truth will set you free. Right. So if we're constantly seeking the truth, uh, there's freedom in that. I mean, we're growing because we're becoming more aware. We're understanding yeah. who God is more. We're understanding who we are. I mean, there's going to be a lot of uh, supportive um a change in that that leads to these other pillars too. Absolutely. And what does Jesus say? I am the way, I am the truth, right? Yes. So, all right, guys, that's all the time we have today. Hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you check out our next week's episode. 
Life After Addiction is a production of S2L Recovery. If you have any questions you'd like answered on the podcast, email them to info at springtolife.net. That's info at spring, the number two, life.net. And for more information on addiction recovery, visit s2lrecovery.org. Hi, I'm Zach. And I'm Randy. And we're from Salty Saints Podcast. We're a theology and apologetics podcast. We hope to better equip you to be salt and light for your community. Uh, We hope that we can help you to go out and be a reflection of Jesus Christ to those around you, uh, to your friends and your family, and especially to those that do not know Christ. To find out more, subscribe at lifeaudio.com.